Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word show to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word show, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text show to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, happy to have you with me. The fallout continues for Lloyd Austin. Uh, This is Mark Esper. He was the Secretary of Defense in the Trump administration talking about this. Highly respected, Mark Esper is. Well, one of those people who left the Trump administration and even the guys in the mainstream media who hate Trump still like him. First and foremost, you're right. Glad to hear that the Secretary Austin is doing much better, though he's still in the hospital. Look, I think a big part of the problem here at this point is uh, not just that it wasn't uh, revealed early on, but each and every day it seems like there's an additional piece of information that trickles out, right? Uh, when I was first on CNN over the weekend, it was the press corps wasn't informed. And then on Sunday, we learned the White House wasn't informed. And then we learned that Deputy Secretary Hicks was was given authorities but not told. And then we heard that he was rushed to the hospital in ambulance. Every day there's been a more a new detail coming out, which is, I think, causing this concern on Capitol Hill by members who are who are talking about things that you mentioned, impeachment and inquiry. And I, I think it's been a, a big communications failure as well, uh, built around something that is a very serious matter, and that is the president, the, the national security community, knowing where a cabinet member is and, and how he's doing. Now, this is uh, James, uh, what's his name, uh, Stavridis. He was the Supreme Allied Commander of Europe. Uh, Admiral in the Navy was considered by Hillary Clinton as a potential running mate and by Donald Trump as potential Secretary of State. As Joe and I talked about a moment ago, he's been a very steady pair of hands for the department. In terms of that episode, you know, Elise, on a scale that kind of runs from you know, we ought to be looking for his resignation. My view, absolutely not. But at the other end, that's ah, no big deal. You know, the deputy took over. This one is kind of in the middle. I spent two years as the senior military assistant, effectively the military chief of staff to Secretary of Defense Don Rumsfeld. I just can't imagine a moment, let alone days, in which the White House didn't know where the Secretary of Defense was. Uh, as I was walking in here, Elise, the uh, Pentagon announced a 30-day review of what happened. That needs to occur. And I'll close with this. Lloyd Austin's been very forthright saying, um, I take responsibility for this. 
frankly, I'm looking at his senior staff, what happened there. Look, he had this procedure. He was in a great deal of pain. Um, it's the job of his team to make sure the continuity exists. So kind of worrisome. Let's see what comes out of this study. That's on MSNBC, someone who's sympathetic to Austin. They're beginning to throw Lloyd Austin's staff under the bus. They don't want to throw Lloyd Austin under the bus. Now, one of the notable things here is that there's been less cabinet turnover for Joe Biden uh, than any president going back to Ronald Reagan's first term. Uh, he's, he's still got a lot of the same people there. Uh, almost all of them are the same, and he doesn't want to lose Lloyd Austin. Now, I got to imagine, and this goes back to what I said yesterday, that the fact that the Secretary of Defense could go more than a week. And by the way, it turns out that uh, the White House now we know did also not know that uh, Lloyd Austin was having surgery on December 22nd. Didn't know that either. You got multiple incidents here. He should resign. I, I disagree with uh, Stavridis that um, this isn't a, it's something he should be fired over. I think he totally should. And you could say it's because I'm a Republican. But if you, if you Democrats, if, if a Republican did this, if Don Rumsfeld did this, you'd want him fired. I mean, go back to what, what uh, this guy said, James uh, Stafford has said on MSNBC, that he was the essentially the military chief of staff to Don Rumsfeld when he was secretary of defense for two years. And there was not a moment of his day that the White House did not know where Rumsfeld was. Every day. Lloyd Austin went weeks without the White House knowing where he was, had surgery on December 22nd. The week of New Year's was in the hospital in ICU, and they did not know. That's not reassuring. But now to the other point that Stafford has made is, why is it that Lloyd Austin's staff did not feel compelled to inform the White House? where Lloyd Austin was. That in and of itself is a big red flag to me that there actually is a staff problem that does go beyond Lloyd Austin himself. The fact that the staff didn't even consider reaching out to the White House, that's, that's a real problem. Uh, Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas who was in the military, I think he's on the uh, Armed Services Committee in the Senate. He was with uh, Hugh Hewitt. Listen to this. Welcome back, America. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas joins me. Good morning, Senator. Welcome back. Good morning, Hugh. It's good to be back on with you and a happy new year. To and you to you, and uh, listeners. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Senator, I want to begin with Joe Biden yesterday at Mother Emanuel Church. Or idea through. It's not all of how Joe Biden's not up for the job. Uh, I mean, he stumbles and bumbles around in public. He's doing barely one event per day. Well, as advertised, um, I pulled up the clip. It says this is about Lloyd Austin. This is about Joe Biden. So we'll ignore you, Tom Cotton, and Hugh Hewitt on that one. But Cotton apparently did go on to say that there needs to be an investigation. And I will tell you, uh, Cotton's a friend of mine. He texted me yesterday over some tweets I said and said there absolutely has to be a Senate investigation into what happened because it's inexcusable that the Secretary of Defense could be gone that long and not know anything and, and nobody know anything. The larger issue here, though, in all seriousness, is Joe Biden promised America a return to normalcy. Do you feel like we've returned to normal? 
do you feel like we as a society have we've returned to normal? That government operates normally. You're you're dragging out of their homes at night by gunpoint pro-life activists, and you're not prosecuting people desecrating the graves of American soldiers. The headline, top of the Drudge Report right now. I know a lot of conservatives don't read the Drudge Report anymore, but it's still the most read news site out there. And the headline, violent political threats surge as 24 begins. This is actually from the Washington Post. Rusty Bowers, former Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives, who played a pivotal role in resisting efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election, drove into his neighborhood east of Phoenix the day after Christmas to a spine-chilling scene. His home, nestled off a dirt road in an unincorporated slice of the desert, was surrounded by sheriff's deputies. An unknown caller had reported there was a pipe bomb inside and that a woman had been murdered. After searching the home and questioning Bowers' wife and grandson, according to Bowers and authorities, sheriff's deputies determined neither claim was true. This is the ongoing threat of, of, of swattings that's happening around the country right now. It's happening to conservatives. Happened to Marjorie Taylor Greene, happened to Burt Jones, Lieutenant Governor of Georgia, happened to the former Speaker of the House in Arizona, uh, Rusty Bowers. It's happened to a couple of Democrats as well. You have a guy the other day was arrested for plotting to kill Eric Swalwell and his children. Does this sound like there's any return to normalcy? And yeah, it's actually true. You cannot blame Joe Biden for the insanity on the right. But the insanity on the left, he's fed it. Joe Biden, think about this. Just just think how profoundly absurd this is. The president of the United States is incapable of giving a speech denouncing anti-Semitism without also having to say, and also Islamophobia, because he's afraid of angering the progressives in his base. He can't give a speech and say anti-Semitism is bad. The Israelis are one of the most persecuted groups to ever walk. The Jews are the most persecuted group to ever walk the planet. What happened to them was bad. Hamas is evil and Hamas should surrender. He can't say that. What he has to say is anti-Semitism is bad and the Jews have been terribly persecuted and treated badly throughout history. We also need to be concerned about Islamophobia and attacks on, on Muslims. Otherwise, His side goes nuts. His side loses their mind. That's a pretty, frankly, damning indictment of the left and the Democrats. They want Republicans to denounce Donald Trump with no ifs, ands, buts, no nuance, just bold, forthright denouncements of Donald Trump. That's what the left wants. That's what the Democrats want. That's what the media wants. They can't do the same they can't do that. They can't condemn the protesters. They don't even want to prosecute the protesters. The George Floyd protesters, nope. You have to understand systemic racism. The the pro-Hamas supporters have systemic racism. The Jews are colonizers. We, we can't do that. There's a piece in the Harvard Crimson today. Reaping what we've taught. Harry Lewis, contributing editor. He's the Gordon McKay Research Professor of Computer Science. Uh, had served as the dean of Harvard College from 95 to 2003. He writes, let's go back to how Harvard's current crisis began, charge of anti-Semitism. 
Why anti-Semitism seems to be a problem at Harvard and other universities is one of the still unanswered questions that precipitated the university's downward spiral. It surely is not Claudine Gay's fault. It is not because Harvard admits anti-Semitic students or hires anti-Semitic faculty. No one is suggesting there are comparable anti-Semitism problems in other kinds of institutions, such as hospitals or libraries. So there must be something that uniquely happens in universities. That something must be the source of our woes. Unapologetic anti-Semitism, whether the incidents are few or numerous, is a college phenomenon because of what we teach and how our teaching are exploited by malign actors. The Harvard online course catalog has a search box. Type in decolonize. That word, though surely not the only lens through which to view the current relationship between Europe and the rest of the world, is in the titles of seven courses and the descriptions of 18 more. Try oppression and liberation. Each is in the descriptions of more than 80 courses. Social justice is in over 100. White supremacy and enlightenment are neck and neck, both the head of scientific revolution, but behind intersectionality. The word frequency is an imperfect measure, and the precise counts are muddied by duplicate numberings and courses at MIT. This experiment supports the suspicion that the Harvard curriculum has become heavily slanted towards recent fashions of the progressive left. For example, Intersectionality was almost unattested before the year 2000, while published uses of decolonize have more than tripled since then. Merchants of hate are repurposing these intellectual goods that universities are producing. When complex social and political histories are oversimplified in our teachings as Manichaean struggles between oppressed people and their oppressors, the powerless and the powerful, the just and the wicked, a veneer of academic respectability is applied to the ugly old stereotype of Jews as evil, but deviously successful people. While Harvard cannot stop the abuse of our teaching, we, the Harvard faculty, can recognize and work to mitigate these impacts. The political bias in our faculty is now widely accepted. One solution is to use a kind of affirmative action program for conservative thinkers to change the faculty, but that idea is noxious and misses the point. Do these feel like normal times to you? The Secretary of Defense can just disappear the Secretary of State, the National Security Advisor, none of them even know. The President doesn't know. The Congress doesn't know. It's kept from everybody. You can march in the streets and chant death to the Jews, and the President can't clearly and forcefully denounce you because of intersectional wokeism. Do these seem like normal times to you? Rise in political violence, threats of violence, swatting attacks, do these seem like pol political normal times? No. There's something in the water. It's more than political. It's spiritual but it has festered, not just under Trump. The media wants to blame Trump for all this stuff. But there weren't people marching in the streets chanting death to the Jews when Trump was president, but they sure are when Joe Biden's president, and it's notable he can't bring himself to forcefully condemn it. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States. Boy, have I got some audio to play for you all. This is the head of the European Central Bank talking about pushing people towards a digital currency. 
there's a was a movement in this country. The Federal Reserve began to explore a digital currency in this country, and basically enough Democrats and Republicans in Congress complained they've largely killed it, and there's still legislation being considered to shut it down. Uh, listen to this. This is the head of the European Central Bank. You're introducing the electronic euro, as I know. Yeah. So yeah. How, can I, um, how can switching to an electronic currency help? Now we have in Europe this threshold above 1,000 euros, you cannot pay cash. If you do, you're on the gray market. So you take mm -hmm. your risk. You get caught, you are fined, or you go in jail. But you know, the, the, the digital euro is going to have a limited amount of control. There will be control, you're right. You're completely right. Mm -hmm. We are considering whether for very small amounts, you know, anything that is around 300, 400 euros, we could have a mechanism where there is zero control. But that could be dangerous. The terrorist attacks on France uh, back uh, 10 years ago were entirely financed by those very small anonymous credit cards that you can recharge in total anonymity. You got that? In Europe now, if you want to pay for anything at a thousand euros or more, you are not allowed to pay in cash. If you want to spend more than a thousand euros at a time, you're not allowed to pay in cash in Europe. It's against the law. And now they want to send everyone to digital currency to control what you spend. They're trying to hide behind terrorism as a way to do this. This is nuts. This, this genuinely, this is, this is a nutty invasion of privacy. The Europeans do not value privacy in the way we value privacy. Uh, but you know what happens in Europe? Give it 20, 30 years. It's going to happen over here. Francis Schaeffer, a theologian, used to write about that, the God who was there. Uh, wrote about how trends in Europe, cultural trends in Europe, takes about 30 years, but then they begin to infest our culture as well, and, and you got to keep an eye out for it. This is this could happen here. It's why you should oppose a digital currency, because the government will exercise more control. Just think about right now how the government wants um, your account will be flagged. You do uh, payments into or out of your account over several hundred dollars, they want the receipts. They want to be able to know about it. They want to be able to follow money because tax cheats. They're, they're worried about tax cheats. It is a massive invasion of your privacy to live your life. And then they say, well, what about the terrorists? We can't have the terrorists doing this. I mean, the, the fear of terrorism, they can justify anything that way. They want to backdoor into your messaging apps, WhatsApp and Apple iMessage. They want to backdoor into it. If they can get a backdoor into it, I assure you the thieves can get a backdoor into it. All the bad guys can. At some point, we've got to have a right to privacy. And what's so hilarious here is that the left wants to build the abortion right that they said was in the Constitution, which is built on the privacy right. They want that privacy right, but they don't want a privacy right for you in any other regard, only whether or not you're going to kill a kid. You can have that privacy, but everything else, nope. The government should know about it. The IRS should be told. It is absurd and offensive. When we come back, we got to get to Iowa. Massive snowstorm coming, events being canceled. The caucuses less than a week away now. And Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis debating on stage tomorrow night as Donald Trump does a town hall on Fox News. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson. There's some breaking news happening right now I need to get to. Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, diagnosed with prostate cancer and was undergoing treatment at um, Walter Reed Hospital. Uh, We are awaiting, and when it happens, I will fire up the audio for you so we can listen to some of this. Uh, All the TV networks, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, uh, CNBC, Bloomberg, the others, they've just got their camera fixed on an empty podium at the Pentagon, and they're going to begin a briefing here. Let's see, there are books getting in the way, or let's see. Pentagon briefing. At the top. Uh, so appreciate your patience. Uh, Secretary Austin currently remains hospitalized at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and is in good condition. And by now, you should have seen the statement released by Walter Reed National Military Medical Center officials regarding his medical care. And for the sake of ensuring that everyone here today and everyone watching has the same information, I will read that full statement. Uh, This is a statement from Dr. John Maddox, Trauma Medical Director, and Dr. Gregory Chestnut, Center for Prostate Disease Research of the Mirtha Center Director at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, Beginning uh, the statement, as part of Secretary Austin's routinely recommended health screening, he has undergone regular prostate-specific antigen PSA surveillance. Changes in his laboratory evaluation in early December 2023 identified prostate cancer, which required treatment. On December 22, 2023, after consultation with his medical team, He was admitted to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center and underwent a minimally invasive surgical procedure called a prostatectomy to treat and cure prostate cancer. He was under general anesthesia during this procedure. Secretary Austin recovered uneventfully from his surgery and returned home the next morning. His prostate cancer was detected early and his prognosis is excellent. On January 1st, 2024, Secretary Austin was admitted to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center with complications from the December 22nd procedure, including nausea with severe abdominal hip and leg pain. Initial evaluation revealed a urinary tract infection. On January 2, the decision was made to transfer him to the ICU for close monitoring and a higher level of care. Further evaluation revealed abdominal fluid collections impairing the function of his small intestines. This resulted in the backup of his intestinal contents, which was treated by placing a tube through his nose to drain his stomach. The abdominal abdominal fluid collections were drained by non-surgical drain placement. He's progressed steadily throughout his stay. His infection is cleared. He continues to make progress and we anticipate a full recovery, although this can be a slow process. During the stay, Secretary Austin never lost consciousness and never underwent general anesthesia. Prostate cancer is the most common cause of cancer among American men, and it impacts one in every eight men and one in every six African-American men during their lifetime. Despite the frequency of prostate cancer, discussions about screening, treatment, and support are often deeply personal and private ones. Early screening is important for detection and treatment of prostate cancer, 
and people should talk to their doctors to see what screening is appropriate for them. End statement. Secretary Austin continues to recover well and remains in good spirits. He's in contact with his senior staff and has full access to required secure communications capabilities and continues to monitor DOD's day-to-day -day operations worldwide. At this time, I do not have any information to provide in terms of when he might be released from the hospital, but we'll be sure to keep you updated. And until then, we will continue to release daily status updates on his condition. We in the Department of Defense, of course, wish him a speedy recovery. The department recognizes the understandable concerns expressed by the public, Congress, and the news media in terms of notification timelines and DOD transparency. And I want to underscore again that Secretary Austin has taken responsibility for the issues with transparency, and the department is taking okay, immediate steps to we, improve our notification procedures. When you take responsibility for, for that Yesterday, lack of transparency, what, what exactly are you doing DOD's other than saying, I'm director sorry? of administration and management to conduct a 30-day review of the department's notification process for assumption of functions and duties of the Secretary of Defense. While the review is underway and effective immediately, the Chief of Staff also directed several actions to ensure increased situational awareness about any transfer of authorities from the Secretary of Defense to include ensuring that the DOD General Counsel, the Chairman and Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Combatant Commanders, the Service Secretaries, the Service Chief of Staffs, the White House Situation Room, and Senior Staff of the Secretary and Deputy Secretary of Defense are all notified and that the notification for transfer of authorities includes an explanation of the reason. All right, I, I can, I'm going to stop there and jump back in here. It is Eric Erickson here. This is the Pentagon briefing. All of this could have been prevented had he done the right thing to begin with. I'm sorry the Secretary of Defense has prostate cancer, and I'm sorry he underwent surgery with general anesthesia, but he didn't tell anybody, and that's part of his responsibility. And now they're going to do a dog and pony show review because he didn't do the right thing in the first place. And this is part of the problem. Hang on here. Now I'm on a roll. I want to get this on video. I'm sorry the Secretary of Defense has cancer. I wish him well. I'm sorry he got a urinary tract infection and has been in ICU. And I'm sorry he had to go under surgery with anesthesia. But if you're the Secretary of Defense and your gut call is tell no one, including the President of the United States, and you're going under general anesthesia, you should not have a job. This review that they're going to do, this 30-day review for the, the systems and processes of notification, they shouldn't have to do it because the right thing to do is to tell the President of the United States your direct report. As the Secretary of Defense, Mr. President, I've been diagnosed with cancer I'm going to undergo a, a minimally invasive procedure. I'll have to be under general anesthesia. I'll be out for a few days. It's not hard. And apparently Lloyd Austin wasn't capable of making the right gut call, which explains a whole hell of a lot of everything that's going on around the world that the Secretary of Defense doesn't have the right gut call to be able to make any decision. I'm really sorry, sir, that you have cancer. But the fact that you did not think you needed to notify the president or even your deputy secretary of defense or the joint chiefs that now we're going to do this dog and pony show review and say, well, all these people moving forward are going to be notified. They should have been notified to begin with. 
We shouldn't be going through this because you should have done the right thing. And what is telling is that Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, didn't make the right call. And if he's not going to make the right call when he's going under general anesthesia to tell the people he should tell, I don't think you can trust his judgment to make the right call on anything. It's just, that's bizarre. That, I, I, wow. That's, I mean, look, I feel bad for the guy, but that's infuriating. And also, by the way, also, they said it was elective surgery. Their original spin was that it was elective surgery. I'm blog. I'm tweeting this while I talk to you. Their original spin was that it was elective surgery. But nope, it was for prostate cancer. That you know, this is this is not good. This is not good. All right, my friends. Move on from here before my blood pressure gets up and I say other stuff. Let's let's talk about what's happening in Iowa. Um I still think DeSantis might be able to pull off Iowa. His his campaign is kind of in disarray, if we're honest. Never back down is in disarray. Things did not go according to plan. I and I'm beginning to wonder what sort of plan there was. But he has one heck of an operation in Iowa, and that can't be denied. He's got a better operation ground game in Iowa than what Donald Trump's been able to put together. And Trump's is actually good. But Haley is surging in the polling there. And the snow is coming. I thought it was very funny. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign is collapsing. That's maybe not getting a, a whole lot of attention. I had high hopes for Vivek Ramaswamy and his campaign, but man, he has just come across as a D-bag at every opportunity he's been given on the campaign stage and beyond. Yesterday, Vivek Ramaswamy tweeted that if uh, Nikki Haley canceled an event in Iowa due to snow, and he tweeted that if Nikki Haley can't handle snow in Iowa, there's no way she can handle Xi Jinping of China. Today, because of snow, Vivek Ramaswamy canceled events in Iowa. I guess he can't handle uh, Xi Jinping either. I, I'm just flabbergasted at the people who connected with this guy. Uh, he just tells people what they want to hear, which is completely diametrically opposed to things he said just a year or two ago. And people pay no attention to what he said a year or two ago, even about Donald Trump and and his outrage over January 6th and Trump was culpable and now doesn't blame him. It just, just, um, my goodness gracious. But his campaign has fallen apart. His staff is starting to leave. Um, his staff is applying for new jobs. Now, he's not even on the ballot. in Illinois. He couldn't make the ballot in Illinois. I don't know that he made the ballot in Colorado or Texas. Um, he, he didn't do what he needed to do to collect signatures. So campaign staff for Vivek, they're already leaving the campaign, which is, I mean, I knew it was going to happen. He's never been a viable candidate. Um, but that it's unraveling as quickly as it is. His polling has done nothing. Uh, Brian Swinson left the campaign last year, went on over to work for the Trump campaign, among other people. Uh, he's not going to be on the Illinois GOP primary ballot, so campaign staffers are looking there. He hasn't even qualified for the final Iowa debate. The Iowa debate will be tomorrow, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Nikki Haley's been surging. The CNN poll is now the second poll to come out to have Nikki Haley less than 10 points from Donald Trump in New Hampshire. 
I'm beginning to think for all of Chris Christie's talk of stopping Donald Trump, he wasn't actually sincere. And I like Chris Christie. I, I like him personally. Don't always agree with him, but I like him. He's always a, an engaging conversation. He's a very thoughtful person. But uh, this just seems like ego to me. This is the man who stood on stage who said Donald Trump's not fit to be president. Nikki Haley is within striking distance of Trump in New Hampshire. All of the polling data suggests if Christie gets out of the race, his supporters go to Haley. That would push her past Donald Trump, handing her a victory in New Hampshire, and Christie won't get out of the race. And now, it, by the way, if if Haley beats DeSantis in Iowa and she's gaining ground on him in the polling, not the operations, though, that's what the DeSantis campaign is hanging their hat on is they have a, this amazing operation and organization in Iowa, and the caucuses are a different breed than a primary. And Haley, is, has she's had some foot-and-mouth moments as well, uh, and that may set her back in the momentum. But if Haley does surge into second place, it's over for DeSantis. The question is, what does Haley do from there? If she, if Haley does well in Iowa, it really does reset the race. I mean, Trump's been bragging about a 50-60 point lead in Iowa. If he doesn't get that, he set his expectations so high. A 20-point win by Trump is possible, and it actually looks bad when he's been saying he was going to win by 50 points. Then you get into New Hampshire. If Christie does get out, that pulls Haley close Haley could get second in Iowa, get first in New Hampshire, and then where does she go after that? South Carolina, home turf. Trump's ahead there, too. But there could be a race reset. Haley actually does have a very narrow path now, and I would argue, looking at the data, that to some degree she has a narrower, she's got a narrow path that may be more viable than DeSantis. And I haven't said that at all, ever, but the path appears to now be taking shape for her in a way it appears to be closing off for DeSantis. The question for Republicans is, do they want someone other than Trump, or are they okay with Trump? Because that full consolidation has to happen. Now, there will be bright lines drawn tomorrow in Iowa. It's going to be a brutal debate. I suspect those two are going to squabble with each other all night, which isn't going to be a productive debate or a healthy conversation. But we'll see. I mean, meanwhile, Donald Trump still reigns supreme. The question, however, is these indictments, the one in Georgia appears to be going off the rails with Fawny Willis's personal conduct, but... I mean, what happens as we get closer to Super Tuesday and Donald Trump can't campaign because he's in a criminal trial? A lot of Republicans will rally to him, but what will the independents do? I'm I'm not sure they stick with him if things go bad for him. But if Donald Trump beats Jack Smith, he's the next president of the United States. I mean, every data point shows that if Trump is able to beat these lawsuits and not, not be found guilty— He's going to surge in the polls as people more and more look sympathetic to him that he did get a raw deal. The Biden administration clearly bit off more than they can chew on this. And, I mean, Biden at this point, he's just having trouble swallowing, let alone talking on anything. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, so hilarious defense here from progressives about Lloyd Austin. They say it was um, his initial spin was that it was an elective surgery. 
It turns out it was prostate cancer. He had a prostatectomy, and they're like, well, that is elective surgery. He could have gone under chemo radiation, but he did this with us. Y'all, he, he, he had surgery for prostate cancer and didn't tell his commander-in-chief. And you're going to excuse that? You're going to try to justify that? Good gracious, people. Um, I that that's, That is remarkable. What is also remarkable is that the president of the United States could go an entire week in the middle of crisis and not talk to his secretary of defense. They told us the adults were back in charge. Um, if the maybe the Cabbage Patch Kids adults are, are back in charge, or the adults from Snoopy, and they all go whoa, 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 whoa. That's how they talk to each other, just like in 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 Peanuts and Snoopy. I because I, th- this is not an adult call. This is not a grown-up call from the Secretary of Defense, and it suggests that Lloyd Austin's gut calls are bad. I mean, it explains a lot of what's happening at the Pentagon with the Wokes and DEI that the Secretary of Defense of the United States could undergo general anesthesia for surgery related to prostate cancer, and his gut reaction was, I don't need to tell the president. I don't even need to tell the number two at the Pentagon. And I sure don't need to tell the Joint Chiefs. I don't need to tell anybody. Oh, it's a it's a privacy thing. You whites wouldn't understand. You see, it's a it's an in, in, intersectional idea of of black men want more privacy about these issues, and and you have to give Lloyd Austin a pass because of the color of his skin. You you know, it's only a matter of time before we're accused of racism for for saying this is unacceptable. You know, it is. I mean, I I, I it may have already come out. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they're already pushing a race narrative on this, but it just um, it, it's insane to me that the Secretary of Defense can undergo general anesthesia surgery on December 22nd. They tell us it's elective surgery. They don't tell us it's because he has prostate cancer. And then he's in ICU for a week, and the President of the United States doesn't even talk to him in a week in the middle of crises in Ukraine, in uh, the Red Sea, in Israel, with China, you've got all of these situations, and apparently the Secretary of Defense is expendable. I mean, who's actually in charge? Are we running this out of Obama's house in Colorado Circle? I, I mean, just, just, just like we did military strikes in Iraq last week when he was in ICU and the president didn't know. We've engaged the Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. While Lloyd Austin was in ICU and no one knew. We've been combating terrorists in Africa behind the scenes. In the last week, Lloyd Austin in the hospital. Nobody could get a hold of him. Nobody knew where he was. We've been dealing with all of these situations. All of these situations. He's, he must be that expendable. I mean, he must be the most expendable man in America. If the president of the United States at a time of military crises around the world can go an entire week and has never talked to the guy, didn't even know he was in ICU, that's remarkable to me. It should be remarkable to you as well. Lloyd Austin should have the good grace to step aside and force the president to accept his resignation. A man of good character would do that, but then a man of good character would have told the president of the United States that he was undergoing general anesthesia and would be out of commission. And that did not happen. God bless him. I hope he gets better, but he needs to resign. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.